Hello everyone and welcome to Horrific Chats. I just played the wrong end though because I'm a moron. But uh, <laughs> welcome anyway. So far, apart from me fluffing up, um, everything seems to be going well. Um, in this segment, we talk to independent creators uh, of horror, discuss their works, motivations, and thoughts on the genre in general. Uh, tonight, we're joined by S.J. Herman, I'm Myrna, and Brian Parkinson. All these guys are involved in a new project. Uh, it came from somewhere, a 1950s-themed um, sci-fi horror currently in the making. Um, hi, folks. How are you? And welcome. Thanks for uh, joining me. Hey, how's it going? Uh, this is a new one for me because normally it's like one-to-one -one conversation. So I've got a whole bunch of people. So I'll just throw questions out and we'll talk and talk between yourselves. Let everybody know who you are. Um, uh, we'll get started. So um, I think I'll probably just start from on my screen. We'll go from top... Uh, Top right down to the bottom. So we'll start with Anne. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, how you're normally involved and uh, what your uh, role is? I know you have a couple of roles. You're an actress as well, uh, but in this particular project. Sure, I'm Anne Myrna, and I am playing the character of Dolores in It Came From Somewhere. <clears throat> in this project, I'm also a producer and first AD. So um, besides being in front of the camera, I'll be behind the camera uh, doing a lot of the prep in terms of breaking down the script, uh, figuring out who's shooting what scenes when and where, and uh, just helping organize everything, including our Indiegogo campaign that we currently have running. Oh, fantastic. And uh, Brian, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is uh, Brian Parkerson. I'm probably the only guy on the production that has one job, um, but I'm, I'm one of the co-writers of the film. Um, I also, I, I'm an independent filmmaker myself. I uh, also have a podcast called That Other Interview Show that I run, and I uh, run a small production company called Dawn Journey Productions. So you're a little bit busy then? <laughs> just one job? <laughs> just, and just just a little bit. Just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Here, it's better than being bored. Eh? Just enough to have lost all my hair. Fantastic. Here, my man, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and SJ, uh, last but definitely not least, um, do you want to just introduce yourself to everybody? Uh my name is S.J. Herman. I am the uh, writer and co-director, co-writer and co-director for It Came From Somewhere. Uh, I'm also a filmmaker. I've been making films for about a year and a half now. And this will be, I'm only going to guess, maybe my fifth, sixth film. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Also, oh, good going in. So you have a bit of experience. So um, what got you into independent filmmaking? Because... This is by no means least. Um, there's easier ways to make money and a name for yourselves, let's be honest. So what got you into this sort of genre and how did you guys end up coming together? Um, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's great. And do you want to start or do you want me to start? Or does it... um, sure, I, I can start. Um, SJ, in addition to being a filmmaker, is an independent author. And I ran across him a little over a year ago uh, because he was adapting some of his books to film. And I helped out, uh, I auditioned for a role for a project called Morium, and I, he did not cast me. But, uh, you know, actors were really persistent, so uh, I was able to get involved behind the scenes with Morium, doing some cast interviews, um, helping promote the film. And then just offered, you know, if there's anything I could help with for future films, let me know. And so we went ahead and uh, adapted another book called Trepidity, which uh, became an 80s slasher horror film uh, that has recently won some awards and um, it's being uh, put onto different streaming platforms. 
And then another opportunity came up because SJ has an idea after an idea after an idea. <laughs> and uh, so his, his creativity has uh, fueled my continued involvement with the organization called After Star Films. So that's the name of the film. Oh, yeah, I noticed on the thing. Um, <laughs> SJ, do you want to go next? Um, I started independent filmmaking, like Anne said, to turn my books into films because it's every self-published author's dream is to have their book turned into a film. And since that's really like, you have like a 99.99999% chance of that not happening, I took it upon <laughs> myself to do it myself. So I taught my, I self-taught myself filmmaking and I went from there and Morium was the first one I adapted. So if no one's going to do it, stuff it, I'm going to do it myself. That sort of attitude, is it? Yeah, but you got to step up and do it yourself sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, that's true. That's very, that's very much the attitude. <laughs> Here, I, that's not a bad attitude to have. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so easy, I think, especially um, like I, the reason for starting this podcast as well is to get the light shone on the independent creators because I'm sick of the corporate blandness of Hollywood and such like. I'm just bored with it, you know, personally. Um, it's just uh, it's a fast food chain for entertainment. It's just turn out the stuff, keep going. You can barely recognize one from the other. So every other voice that we can get out to her and also show people the journey that it is possible um, just to give people hope and get more. We need more voices instead of less out there. That's my whole premise between doing this. And, you know, we we work heavily with authors as well. You know, we feature uh, every week excerpts from books. Uh, just do short readings of them, put it through, throw a bit of sound effects on for a bit of fun. Just anything to try and pique people's interest to let them know there's more out there. So people like you guys just coming on board, you know, and getting involved in the sphere and letting people know it's possible. You know, it's a great thing. You know, that's that's why you're here. Um, Bran, how did you get involved in all this craziness? <laughs> oh, man. Um why, so Anne and I actually are sort of kindred spirits because she and I both have an IT background. Um, Anne has been able to release that ball and chain from her life. I have not yet, but I'm getting there. Um, but I, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Like as far as the, the the film, getting into film in general, I'm starting to get near 40. And I think I'm going through a normal cycle in your life where you begin to question everything and, and ask yourself, are you happy? Are you doing what you want to do? And I began to realize, and actually I was going to school for cybersecurity when this started. And I realized that this is not what I want to do with my life. And something I'd always wanted to do was start a podcast. I started a podcast and um, I started interviewing filmmakers. And in that process, I began to realize, I think that's what I want to do. And then just through sort of a chain of events that, that led into um, a little two minute challenge I got from a friend of mine Um it turned into a full production that I'm in right now. You know, I mean, I have an entire cast and a crew and, um, and, you know, Facebook has been an incredible tool. So I actually connected with Ann and Steve, uh, through Facebook. Um, they, they were, Ann was running the trepidity campaign and I got a random firm request from her one day. So I accepted it cause I was building my network and, um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I just kind of clicked with them. You know, I, I, I really, I like to share other people's stuff. So I, you know, when Trepidity stuff came up, I would share it, you know, I would, I would comment occasionally, then the opportunity to get an assistant producer on the project came up. So I, I just, I went ahead and signed up for that. Um, and then I connected with, with Steve um, through booking them on the podcast and Steve and I just started talking and um, 
I think really the, the relationship solidified when I had everyone on the podcast. I, I just fell in love with that team. They're very – Acrostars are really incredible. Um, they're just a really incredible group of people. The, there's – I immediately saw this chemistry amongst them. You could tell that they were a family. Like they were very much a familial unit. And um, I just fell in love with them. And uh, so I just got to talking with Ann and Steve Moore and uh, – they brought me in a little bit more. And then one day Steve randomly sent me a message and said, um, you know, Hey, because, well, let me back up a little bit. When he, mm -hmm. when he, when they started talking about it, it came from somewhere. Um, I fell in love with the project. and was raving about it, you know, and, and I, and I guess that was noticed. And so Steve, Steve one day just randomly messaged me and said, Hey, how would you like to be a part of this movie? And I was like, seriously, absolutely. And he goes, well, how would you like to be a co-writer? You know, and just jaw hits the table. Like, you know, so absolutely. Just, the bit was just lured and, it sounds exciting, but you just know at the end of that there's a lot of work. <laughs> and well, you're just like, here, do you want to help out a bit? Yoink. That's it. Yeah, you're... I mean, like, it's, it's, but, but you know, when you're doing something that Which you love. Which isn't a bad thing, you know, right? That's... No, not at all. <laughs> and when you're doing something that you love and you're working with people that you love, I mean, like, it's not, it's not work. I mean, Steve and I had an absolute blast writing this movie. You know, we, we did it over Zoom. We would just get together about once a week and we'd start writing and there was laughs and joking and, you know, it's, it's um, What's really cool about this project, it's 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 unique. Th th that's the first thing I struck me about is how unique it is. This is just not something that's been done. And one of the things I really respect about this project, and this is all Steve, um, he really is truly writing a love letter to the the films, the B-movie sci-fi films of the time. I, I mean, down to like little granular details like the aspect ratio we're filming in the way the dialogue's written, the way the actors act, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I mean, cause there, there were, I mean, like we, we recorded some of our writing sessions and, and you'll hear, like, if you ever hear him, you'll hear him tell me like, you know, Hey, we can't go this route or because I would come up with something stupid. Cause I really, I'm, I'm a comedy guy. So I really latched on to the, the sort of the cheese factor and I wanted to make it funny. And, and at one point, fine, that's a fine balance. So it's a bit of, a it is a fine balance. Exactly. So at, at one point about halfway through the script, he's like, I want you to watch something. You know, and then I watched it and I'm like, okay, now I understand your vision more, you know, and then it was, it was smooth sailing after that. But I mean, we, we've taken great pains to, to give an accurate, um, integrity filled love letter to the, to these, the films of the time. And it's, and, and what I, the other thing I love the most about it is this is going to be really confusing to, to judges at film festivals because it's got all of the cheese of a, a sci-fi fifties B film but it also has really, really good screenwriting mixed in. So I think they're going to write, they're going to watch this and see this cheese and they're going to probably immediately write it off. But then when they start to fall in love with the characters and they start to see the plot arcs and they start to see, you know, the, the, the character development, they fall in love with these characters. They're going to stop and say, what am I watching right now? Like this is good screenwriting mixed with cheesy, you know, so it's, it's a really unique and I'm really hoping the audience, I, I really, really hope the audience is able to catch that because we really did put a lot of work and, and a lot of, um, intention into the way we did this to, to truly pay homage to, to the, these films yeah that was actually one of my questions um and i've actually one from a chat here i want to point in but um when you said to create uh from it comes from uh somewhere have you decided to use practical effects and actually try and do it per rote as a 1950s style or are you using modern technology to give that effect but like you're saying stay true to the source material and the filmmaking at the time it's what what direction are you deciding to go there um I suppose i'll save this you know uh senior the sort of showrunner in this we're, we're aiming for a practical effects 
I mean, we're talking like cardboard sets, like <laughs> cheesy and cheesy monsters. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I, I would say 99% of it would be practical effects. Yeah, um, but are you using, because obviously doing practical effects, like literally 1950 cells, the amount of time, effort and cost involved and, you know, making it, you know, the reason it looked that way is because of the limitations. Are yeah. you bringing some modern uh, technology in, not making it a CGI, because that's, nobody wants any more CGI fest, just as soulless, you know, people running in front of the green screens, we don't want that, but are you able to utilize modern methods to enhance what was there before? Is that kind of the plan? Or is it? Is that just a straight nah? Now nah, we're just we're getting the paper mache out and we're just building it. No, we're going to try to film it like we were actually filming it in the nineteen fifties. All right, cool. So that's that's going to be it. that's the challenge for this project is actually yeah. to do it as is. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not filming it in twenty twenty two. We're filming it in nineteen fifty. So you're making it easy for yourself, then, basically what you're saying. You're just yeah, <laughs> no, no challenger whatsoever. Nah, this. <laughs> Let's get the road and beat ourselves. Um, sorry, Dale's just popped in the chat. Dale's actually one of our contributors to our podcast. She, she writes amazing stories and as many featured. Um, just writes here. It's firstly impossible for women to break into the horror scene over in New Zealand. Um, it's two male dominated with Peter Jackson and Taika Waititi. Um, what do you say to that? Um, I know, like the uh, like I think Hollywood's done it all wrong. Instead of actually bringing people aboard, I think we've more divided people as opposed to giving people a chance. Is it that way in independent creation? No. I, I mean, I, I think it I have, like you... Personally, I have to say, I work with all sorts, you know, and everybody, everyone's welcome, you know, but I don't also necessarily think of, for someone to win doesn't mean someone else has to lose, if that makes sense. I think yeah. that's just a horrible mindset. The beautiful thing about the independent film scene is you you make it what you want. You know, it's very tribal. I don't know if it's always been that way because I'm still fairly new to it, but what I've noticed is it's very tribal and you have groups like my company, you have groups like Acrostar. Um, it, it really depends on who you work with. I mean, like with, with, with Acrostar, uh, it's, it's mainly female actresses and uh, most of the production, most of the uh, productions are female driven. And one of the things I respect the most about Steve, Steve is a very humble guy. He doesn't say a lot. And when he says something, it means something. And what I've noticed about Steve is he really thrives on standing in the background and building other people up. That's a very rare quality in people. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've on a couple of occasions now watched, I mean, he, he's very intentional about everybody getting to do the things that they dream of doing with Acrostar. So that includes having the, um, anybody that wants to direct, actually get a chance to direct a short or a feature to produce like Steve, it's, it's just, you just don't see that in too many people. I mean, he really does thrive on just kind of almost remaining anonymous and just watching other people shine. You know, it's, it's, it's Which just really is a double-edged sword with independent creation because unfortunately you have to get out there because well, it's very yeah. rare. People are going to do it for you. You have to actually become involved in the promotion. I'll you know, tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you, Colin, like people, it may seem that way, but I would actually say it's the opposite. Um, you know, there, there's a, a, a man I respect named Jason Horton. He, he's uh, he's working on a film called Craving right now. And I interviewed him on my podcast and he said something that stuck with me. He said, a selfish filmmaker is an unsuccessful filmmaker. And what I have noticed in, in my short time in the industry 
people do not like a lack of humility in people. Some people don't care, but for the most part, I've noticed the people that have no humility or the people that are selfish are just in it purely for themselves. They don't do well. People. I think that's what most creation. Um, see it a lot in the horror. Uh, sorry, the horror authors. You know, that's where we primarily deal with. Um, I'm just getting new into uh, newly myself and speaking with filmmakers, and it's a bit of a different beast. Mm -hmm. But definitely, um, in the author scene, there's a lot of very selfish people there, and it really does put you off their work. You yeah, know, even that separating the art from the artist. Uh, I think there's more of maybe I came across wrong with questions, but there's definitely more of an onus now. You have to put yourself out there as a person. You can't just be the mysterious, like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. But people I inevitably want to find who out you are. who you are. They, but they find out who you are inevitably because at some point somebody's going to ask, "Who is it that runs Acrostar? You know, who is it that's putting all these people front and center like that? And eventually, Steve's name's going to come out. You know, or, or and I mean, oh my gosh, Anne. I mean, there would be no way for Steve to remain anonymous with Anne. I mean, Anne's a freaking rock star. <laughs> by by the way, to all the audience. Like, I love to brag on these two people. They are amazing. Anne is the most incredible producer I have ever seen. Like, I need an Anne for my company. She is amazing. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. I mean, she is a, she is a rock star. And that's that's an understatement. <laughs> it's so true. Fantastic. Well, you know what? I love the positive too. vibe here. You know, I have to say, real positive vibe. And that's, I think we need more of that out there. That's something, like, I'm a major proponent for there's a lot of negativity. You mentioned, uh, obviously, Facebook. It's a tool I primarily use to connect with people. You have to look past the negativity. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like better people out there. Mm -hmm. But if you can see past that, you don't know who you're going to meet the next day. Like, um, this podcast is going to be two years old uh, this Halloween. And even in that short period of time, like uh, the amount of people I've come across just personally and seeing connections and networking is absolutely fantastic. So it's well worth it. Um, a lot of people are getting, I think, despondent, and they want to write off social media completely. They want to write off interacting completely because yeah. of a few idiots. You know, how have you managed to navigate that? Oh, I was like, actually, one of question, but just uh, just kind of thinking about things. Um, have you how have you managed to navigate that sort of toxic environment, or the people that just want to do you harm? That you shine your light, they just want to pull you down because you're doing something. Yeah, I mean, we really ha haven't experienced that. Um, <clears throat> I do a lot of outreach on social media, and we have a Facebook group that has about 2,200 members. And I attempt to get to know whoever's willing to let me get to know them. So mm -hmm. as they come into the group, you know, we welcome them. Um, I, you know, invite people to post something about themselves, if they have a link to a website or if they're an actor, you know, link to their acting profile. Um, some people message me too much. Um, and, and then I want to be your best friend. I've met you once and let's be oh, yeah. forever. And so, you know, I, I mean, it takes all kinds of people, right? So I'm nice back. I mean, if, if they get to be obnoxious, then they get blocked. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of those this past week. But I mean, out of several thousand people I've interacted with, I've probably blocked five people. Um, so you know, basically everybody is just interested in um, you know creating uh, entertainment for people. Um, and then again, it takes all the different roles to actually put something together. So I mean, the, the only time I was criticized actually, was I had posted about our Indiegogo campaign into another Facebook group that was a collection of horror fan, horror film fans. And it's kind of controversial in an Indiegogo campaign, apparently, to offer producer credits 
Um, I mean, we did it because there are people who will never actually do work on a film, but they want to be involved in creating a film. So these producer credits, is there a job for them to do? No, not really. But it's a way for them to contribute to the campaign, and it's a way for us to show our appreciation by giving them the credit on IMDb and giving them credit in the film. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win for everybody. And a couple of guys just like came after me about how horrible I was, you know, and offering these no good credits, and I'm devaluing the job. Steven of the Spielberg made his career in producer credits. Well, but that's <laughs> I'll you know never, what I mean. Yeah, and like I, Steven Spielberg sticks his name on the anything, gets paid a lot of money, and he's like, "Ting, thank you very much." Well, nobody batted an eyelid. Yeah, that's, I'll never understand that criticism because that's isn't that one of the very definitions of what a producer is? You bring talent or money, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. People, enough, people, a... people are going to hate, you know, people are going to be negative and you just, you could choose to engage with it, which is a waste of time, or you can ignore it and move on. There, there are people yeah. who are unhappy and they're miserable and it's unfortunate and sad and they want to spread that. They want to bring other people down with them and you just have to look past it and, and, and move forward and just strive to be a force for positivity and good. Um, I, I think that's really the best strategy, you know, and you just yeah, block I'm... them. That's mm-hmm. uh, just like to highlight it and talk to creator because like there's so many people give up, you know what I mean? Because the minute you uh, think, because you have to understand it's coming, the minute you stick your head above the parapet, the minute you shine your light, there are those that are never going to create anything, and now you're going to be your biggest critics, critics, and they're just going to come out in the war. And there's no, I think what maybe people scratch their head at, there's no rhyme, reason, there's no logic to it. And they're like, oh, I've done anything. Why am I getting attacked? And you know, they've barely got started. And that's they just retreat in the turtle shell. Um, why I like to hear about people's experience, you can go, yep, dealt with it, nah, nothing. And you carried on and you make stuff, you know, that's that's the most important bit. So it's it's important to share these stories, I think, of dealing with that antagonism because it's out there, it's never going to go away. And as long as people can hide anonymously and you know, uh, have their little safe bubble that can stab out of people, they're always going to do it. Yeah, they'd never say it to your face in the street. You know, I mean, they'd never be that brave, but it's good to say that, yeah, even having it, you can just go like, nah, you're nothing. And that's, that is the best way, Brian, honestly, you just shrug them off and crack on doing what you're doing. Yeah. And, 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 and really respond with, respond with love. And, and, and one encouragement I'd like to offer, you know, in, in response to all of that is what I have noticed about the independent film community. There are a lot of people out there who are just as passionate about it as you are, who want to work and get involved and they're not in it for money at, at, at that time. They just want to get, they want to work. They want to build their resume. There are so many people out there willing to help and, and it's not difficult to find them. It's really not, you know, if, if somebody's wondering like, how do I get started in independent film? First thing I would tell you to do is get on Facebook and find your local film community and just start interacting with them. Ask them questions. You will eventually find someone that's there, uh, that wants to help, you know, like, I mean, with, with, you know, I, I mean, I just, I, I was a random person to Ann and Steve and and now they're, they're friends. And I know that I can, you know, if I'm having problems with the production or I have questions, like I can go to them, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a very welcome. You can see it. it's, it's true that they're having problems finding a good writer in the USA. I've heard that they need more writers. Yeah. I was going to let you finish and then I was going to. Uh, oh, um, uh, I don't, well, you know, I, the, I actually would say it's the opposite. I think there, there are a ton of writers in the U S um, they, 
just never get noticed. It, it, the, the, the film industry, Hollywood is in a weird place right now. Uh, pretty much all you see in theaters are, are Marvel films. I don't know why that's oh, the case, God. but that's just where we're at right now. Um, you know, <laughs> I and, give up on those. I was talking about that on Sunday. And yeah. my, my co-host, he just can't understand why I just give up and just went, nah. And he's like, what are you doing now? I'm like, nah. Just walked away, not interested, bored. No, don't get any pleasure out of them. Second of all, the crap goes all behind the movies as well and the sniping. I'd rather watch people get chopped up into bits because <laughs> at least it's honest. <laughs> it's it's hard it's hard to get a script out there. I mean, you know, most there there, there are like clearing houses and stuff where you can send things. Typically, the way it works, my understanding, and you can correct me because you have a little more experience in Hollywood than I do, but. Um, my, you know, really the way it works is your script's eventually going to go across the script reader and you have one to seven pages to grab them or they toss it in the trash or, you know, toss it in a pile. And it's just that spec writing and stuff is just not what it, not what it used to be. I, I, th I think, I think in a way things are starting to trend more towards independent film. I think you're going to more and more and more, especially as the technology becomes more available, you know, like filmmaking is more accessible, but quality filmmaking isn't necessarily because there's still a cost, you, you know, sound is always going to be your biggest issue. You need mm -hmm. to get good sound equipment and good lighting. You know, anybody can shoot on their phone, but you can't make it sound good. You can't necessarily make it look good, but you can get the cinematic look. But as, even as, as that cost diminishes, I think eventually things are going to continue to sort of trend towards independent film. And I think independent films is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I think that's the way it should be. You know, I think it's time for everyone else to shine for once, you know, I, I anyway, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all about the, the story. Um, I'm actually a film festival judge in addition to uh, creating films and to me, I mean, they can they can look really good. You know, you were talking about getting the cinematic look and having really good sound. And I, I've seen some independent films that that have all that, but then the story falls short. So, I mean, one of the reasons that I chose to work with Agristar Films is because Steve is such a good writer. Um, I mean, I, I've read almost all of the books that he has. Um, so he's got a, a collection out on Amazon that you can you know download and read on Kindle. Um, they're, they're just really good stories. They're all a little on the dark side because that's kind of his his thing. Um, it came from somewhere is is not of that nature, but um, well, except a lot of people do get killed. So that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of these people. I'm an unapologetic <laughs> horror fan and creator. I've noticed a lot with horror creators. They seem to feel like they have to apologize for enjoying the dark side of things. And it always lovely people. You know, I mean, it's. I don't think I've met anybody yet who's like turned me off, you know, as in, uh, on these uh, interviews or anything. Always lovely people, but this thing about apologizing for liking guts and gore and that, love what you love, make no apologies for it. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that's half the fun. The fact you can express your dark side, do you know what I mean? Um, it's the person that's always trying to be the goody, you know, the good person's always the one up the bell tower with a sniper rifle. They're the ones that lose it. <laughs> and that's the best yeah. part of writing. I mean, you can come up with the craziest crap you can think of. Yeah, and that's, that's it. And you just part. let it. What's what's more damaging, holding it in or putting it on the page? You know what I mean, what's what's you're getting it all out of your head. You're having that catharsis. You're nobody's saying for an instance because that used to be the thing during the eighties. Um, everyone was a flipping satanic cult and writing stuff was you know invoking demons and all that nonsense. If I lived through all that, yeah, they craziness. Say, don't write for others. Write what you want to write. Tell the story that you want to tell. Not what mm -hmm. other people want to hear. Yeah, Once exactly. Never... That trap. 
once you start writing for other people and making stuff for other people, well, then you're not being true to yourself and who you are. That's why you always write for yourself and what you want. I mean, I'm writing a book that I want to write. I'm making a movie that I want to make, not that what other people want to see. Yeah. Um, I think that's where the mainstream, in particular Hollywood's lost its way, because everything's done by committee. Mm -hmm. And you don't have one creative vision anymore. Even the directors and producers are not actually in charge. They're just a manager. Do you know what I mean? They're making, you know I mean? They're making the fries and the burger and sprinkling a bit of salad on it and shoving it out the next one. They're not actually uh, creating anything. They're, they're, the restaurants aren't being run here. Sorry, I'm a fat boy. That's why I always use food analogies. Because <laughs> my favorite thing to do, <laughs> shove things inside me. <laughs> um, so we've seen, and uh, you've kind of brought it up uh, with the Facebook groups, but we've seen a lot of antagonism towards um, sort of crowdfunding in general, Indiegogo, uh all those kind of platforms for those that aren't maybe familiar because it's still i still see it as a niche sort of activity you know i mean and most people are doing crowdfunding uh go for me stuff now to get money for themselves i need a new car i need this so it's kind of got the well's been poisoned a bit but could you explain to the audience what the benefits are of crowdfunding why it's a beneficial uh model rather than going to private investors and what the benefits are you've mentioned people getting producer credits and the pros and cons behind that, but what was actually crowdfunding about? How do people get involved, and what are the benefits to them, and the creation itself? You want to start so, uh, so I mean, crowdfunding in general um, is a way for independent uh, filmmakers to include people that are outside of the circle of people they know. So, I mean, typically when you're looking for funding, you start off with family, you branch out to friends. Um, sometimes friends of friends, and this is kind of taking the friends of friends thing a little further and opening it up to whoever might find it very, very interesting in terms of what you're doing. So, um, you know, we're very conservative in terms of our, our budget. Um, you know, we have seen some films, um, particularly in the horror genre, that raise, you know, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000. Um, we don't Feel like we need that amount of money in order to make a, a good film so our film our, our, our film it came from somewhere we have an initial crowdfunding campaign that's looking for five thousand um, dollars and that will take us all the way through production and the things that we're asking for help paying for are um, any fees involving locations so we're actually renting a home for several days in a row where we can film interior and exterior scenes that is also providing lodging for the cast and crew. Um, you know, we're not filming in a really exotic location so we can all take a free vacation. No, 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 no. We are in kind of the middle of nowhere, central Illinois farm country. Um, like I'll be taking care of food for the week for cast and crew. <laughs> Not going to be ordering for restaurants to deliver because it's going to be a local supermarket. I don't think they do. <laughs> I'm hitting Costco. I'm loading up my 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 car with a bunch of food that I can feed a lot of people in, in a, a few days period of time. So things like that, um, costumes and props. Um, we're not going out and buying, um, you know, collector vintage 1950s dresses for the actresses to wear. We're asking them to kind of dig into their wardrobe. You know, here's the style of the 1950s. Maybe you have some clothing in your closet that kind of looks like this so that we can have an authentic look without spending a lot of money. 
Um, you know, we don't have any exotic set um, expenses. Um, like I say, we're using the interior of this house. We're using some, um, you know, Main Street, small USA look, um, you know, type exteriors. Um, and we've got a very cooperative small town that's working with us and letting us use some of their locations. They're blocking off streets for us so we can film. Um, you know, we're kind of just like bringing a bunch of people together to get this film made. Um, some of the reasons that people don't like crowdfunding are that um, people can misuse it. You know, there's there's nothing to actually stop us from taking the if we collect the five thousand dollars and taking a little trip on the weekend. But we just would never do that. And I think the majority of people who use crowdfunding would not use the funds for a different purpose. Um, we have legitimate things that we give people for their contribution. You can make a straight cash contribution or you can get something for it, like your photo in the film. So if you've always wanted to be in a movie, but maybe you live in a really remote location where no filming is ever done, you can send us your picture, just you know, like a portrait. We'll make it black and white and we will use it in the film. You'll clearly be seen and be listed in the credits as a cast member and the, in 1950s the credits come at the beginning of the movie so you know you get you get your name seen up on kind of, you know the big screen um, so there's Let's a look at all into the 80s do you remember a lot of movies in the 80s were still doing the the credits at the front and then it in kind the of 80s, switched 80s. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, the 80s, a lot of movies a lot of big budget movies were still doing the credits at the front as the yeah. intro played and then yeah, kind of have to shy away way. from that. I don't know why it yeah, changed. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, this is just part of our commitment to uh, keeping with that 1950s style. So we're actually having a, a watch party on Monday evening for cast and crew. We're going to watch a 1950s B sci-fi movie, cheesy movie, Teenagers from Outer Space. And we're watching it so that we can see, um, you know, like kind of how the shots are set up um, from the director's point of view. We're looking to see, um, you know, like how the acting is because they didn't act small for the camera back then. They overreacted, you know, like really big screams, you know, large facial expressions, you know, hands up in the air, you know, kind of thing. When you see the monster, um, we want to get all of that feeling into our film. There's still um, an aspect of it being a theater performance. And it was that transition from theater to screen. You know, I know... Yeah movies have been since the 1920s and that but you still had that you know mindset of theater acting you know when you're acting out to a crowd so people didn't necessarily hadn't really gotten their head that the could dial it down because they still thought that they had to project out to an audience mm -hmm. uh, and we've reviewed a lot of so everyone hears what you have to say you know like oh yes, my darlings welcome you know you <laughs> The old that's, that's the charm though i mean that's and you know one of the things uh, when, when ann was talking about the the sets one of the unique things about this production is i mean we're, we're doing something that roger corman would be proud of because it, it's we're, it, it's it's intentionally low budget it's intentionally like you know like cardboard sets folding tables you know robes just real simple stuff i mean like it's gonna look low budget it, it's um but that's but that's by design that's by intention and it, it really it very much is an ode and an accurate ode to these old 1950s b movie horror films so that's and that, that's that's one of the coolest things about this production is you can make it on the cheap we don't we don't have to ask for an exorbitant amount of money um it's transparency you know you're being very transparent about what you put the body for what you're standing on um how vital is that to be clear with your audience, not just 
we need a bunch of money. That's just it, just to make us movie. Well, I tried to write the Indiegogo campaign so that um, our honesty and our character kind of comes through. Um, you know, we, we have put together a trailer. We've already written the script. You know, we because we, we've actually run across other Indiegogo film campaigns where they haven't even written the script yet. You know, like <laughs> they have an idea, and that's I think wonderful. Also puts people off. You know, yeah. it makes people worry because it's it's an idea, it's a concept. Help us make this concept, and people are like, is this ever going to be ready? You know, yeah. People ask like, why don't you invest in your own film? Well, we we invest um, heavily in terms of time. I mean, I, I don't even know how many hours Steve and Brian have spent writing the script, it, but we didn't want to start asking for money for a movie when we didn't really know what the movie was going to be. So, I mean, they right at the get-go determined that it would be a feature film length. So we're targeting about 70 minutes running time. Um, you know, we knew how we wanted to shoot it. We knew kind of the, you know, the, the looks of the characters and things like that. Um, a lot of hours going in behind the scenes that people don't see. And you can't really do that and work a 40 hour a week job as well. You'd never get the thing done, do you know what I mean? It's well, but we, but we do, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, but I, I mean, yeah, in fact, you that all of a sudden be millionaires and just pay for everything yourself. You know, life is reality, is what I'm trying to say. You need to, you need to live and need to, yeah, work on that, but you can't just work your 40 hour a week job and then produce this in the same amount of time. So the money's a free up as well. So you can actually, even if it's just take leave off work and concentrate on the film. Or on well, leave, you know, it's it's all part of the balancing act in reality, you know. It's not it's not even that. that though. Like like what what people have to and some of this is not people's fault. They just don't understand what's involved in making a film. Um, yeah, that's why I'm trying to you know I mean yeah yeah shine like, the light on it so people understand. You know, I I still work a full time job. Steve still works a full time job. Like we're we're doing this in our spare time, and and we're not we're not profiting from this. Like we're not we're not asking for money to pay ourselves. You know, like th this this money will go towards the actors. It'll go towards the production costs. It'll go towards travel for people. It'll go towards food. Like what people have what people don't understand is how the hardest part about making a movie is not making a movie. It's funding it. And it's difficult to get out there and ask people for help. And you want to be transparent because you know I would like. Movies are one of the worst investments you can make financially. That's that's no right. Everybody knows it's, it's it's tough, and people who have money know that. So you have and, and what tends to happen is when you're seeking investment from private investors, a lot of times they just stream you along, or they'll 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 try to they'll play with the idea because they want to be involved in a, in a movie. Like it's like you know I've done this, I've done this, I've never done a movie. Let's and they'll stream you along and they'll just they'll revoke the money. So it could take us two years. Mm -hmm. To get private funding for this, but when you have, but when you have a, a, a platform like Indiegogo where you can just get out there and say, "Hey, we have a script, we've got a trailer, we've got all the actors. Here's here's what we're in need of. You know, if you like this project, if you want to see it come to light, if this is something you're passionate about, you know, here here, it's you're still getting something out of it. You're getting the movie. You're getting a producer credit. Like maybe you're trying to build your IMDb. Well, you know, you, you could be an actual producer on the film. You can be in the film. You can, you know, with the, the picture thing. So it's not people just really need to to at, at some point realize that this is the way it is and this is how it works. And and crowdfunding is the way of the future. You know, uh and, and you don't you you don't typically go after private funding on, on something like this. It's just it's just too small. 
you know, if we, if we were doing something that was like, you know, 150, $250,000, yeah, we might, you know, we definitely be looking for private investors, but this, this is just the way it is. And, and I, I think Indiegogo is fantastic. Um, and, and, and I think the transparency is important and, uh, people really should know what they're investing in, you know, because I think, I, I think, I think, I just think crowdfunding has gotten a bad rap somehow, you know, I think that's, some why people I'm got to, like I said, yeah. that's why I'm asking the question, because if you don't ask the question, if you don't explain it, and also <clears throat> the value of you being here, put yourself in front of a camera, speaking to people is worth more than a hundred paragraphs mm -hmm. on a crowdfunding campaign. You know what I mean? You're standing up for what you believe in explaining. And that's what I'm trying to bring out because yeah. We need to break down needs. I'm, I'm all for independent creation. I want it to succeed. I'm sick of the machine. You know, and I'm sick of the nonsense. Um, this mediocre stuff costing. There's Warner Brothers shelved a movie that cost $70 million because when the test screen, it was absolutely pants. Sorry oh, the, the new the new Batgirl movie? Yeah, just shelved it. And I'd actually seen an interview yeah. with two creators and they're young lads and they're all pumped to make a movie. But it's actually because everything's done by committee. And they're able to spend $70 million on a movie and it'd be absolutely terrible and look terrible and feel terrible. But even the test audience, they're normally, you know I mean? Uh, you know the access media, they, they'll they sing your praises to get you know their name or get involved in these sort of events. So even they're saying it was bad and the company would rather take a loss of 70 million. But people are, are happy with that. They're happy with investors to spend that amount of money and lose it. But they're very suspicious of people trying to fundraise $5,000 just to put up um, people in a hotel rather than paying themselves. Um, a previous uh, director I spoke to, uh, Jason Pitts, he explained to me one of his projects. What he wanted to do was for the cast and crew not to have to pay for their own hotel rooms for once. That was his dream to get it crowdfunded because he was sick of people coming on board and spending their time and money and he almost felt like he was using them and he just wanted to get some money in so that he could at least go Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. You know, here's a bit of comfort. You know, just something simple as that, which people I don't think understand, which is what yeah. I'm trying to draw, you know, draw attention to. Well, and, and you know, and Colin, like that also is what makes what you do really important. What's really cool about your podcast and, and all podcasters out there who do what you do, it gives the audience the opportunity to meet the people behind the scenes. You know, it's, it's one thing to look at a picture of Ann or look at a picture of me or look at a picture of Steve on Facebook and see what we post, but to actually hear us talk and, and share our hearts. And, you know, and, and like I said, you know, with, with, with the, the, the funding on this, I mean, like there's out of pocket costs for all of us, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, my plan is to fly up to Illinois to be a part of this. I'm paying for my flight. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have, I have uh, dietary restrictions, so I'm probably gonna end up buying my own food, you know, because I can't, I can't eat the, the food other people eat. So I mean, like it's, but I'm not doing this. Like I don't personally, I don't care if I make a dime from this movie. I'm grateful. In fact, I would rather them take if like, if there were a cut in it for me, I'd rather them just give it to the actors and actresses because I'm not in it for that. I, I, I love film. I love the magic of film. I love the privilege of being able to be a part of the process. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to have been a part of this and to, to help write something that I thought was such a really cool idea. That's enough for me, you know, and to just build a friendship with, with Steve and Ann, like that's enough for me. And, and, and to, to, um, I, I really genuinely, and I, and I mean it when I say this, like, I love Acrostar. I love everybody in Acrostar. They're some of those wonderful people I've ever had the opportunity to, to interact with. And, um, I'll do anything in the world for them. 
you know, it's um, fantastic. Steve, if your cheeks aren't burning now, because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of blushing for you here, because that's uh, <laughs> I've, I've heard nothing but praise for you. How has your experience been? Um, like you're the showrunner, you're almost expected. Uh, we've talked about um, Dale brought up a couple of directors. You know, they're all ego. How uh, have you managed to? balance those two sides of your personality. You know, you're expected to almost come out and be the flory creative and the ego, but being a down-to-earth person and not wanting the spotlight, how have you managed to balance that with actually getting your creation made? Uh, like Brian said, I really focus. When I make these movies, it's more for the actors. It's more for them. And I, I care about them. I want them to succeed. So that's why I do my best to get them out there more so than myself, uh, which is rare. I don't think you see that a lot nowadays. You don't. That's why it's um, it's actually really refreshing to see it, and actually right in front of my eyes, not even um, hearsay or other things. I'm I'm seeing it right here, and it's amazing the amount of respect these guys have for you. And I'm pretty sure if I speak to anybody that's worked with you, um, I'm going to get a similar story. Just from here, I'm not getting any fluff, any sign of fluff here. You know, you know what I mean. I mean, basically, what I I'll write a character. I'll give the actors or actresses a basic outline. I go, here, go with it. Do what you think is best for it. And I just give them a rough outline. And so far, they pretty much capture what I want. I give them free reign. And like Brian said, if somebody wants to direct, uh, here, I'll, I'll give you a chance to direct. I mean, if you want to be a, a lead, I'll give you a chance for a lead actress. I mean, it, it's more for them than for me. Yeah, and um, like I've I've said about this podcast, you know, it's not about if I if I sat here and made it all about me, people get bored very quickly. I get bored. You know, I mean, I don't want to just listen to me yap on. <laughs> it's more fun watching someone else, you know, seeing their story come to life here and how they've created and achieved. And yeah, it's a good feeling. But you kind of get brought up as well um, with it, and just uh, organically, which I think it's something worth holding on to. There's too many people, I think, don't understand that just letting yourself, you know, just be yourself, create with a, a genuine want to, and your star rise. I think there's too many people, like with that narcissism, they want to be the center stage, but they might not necessarily have the talent or even um, people skills, because that's another thing maybe we haven't talked about. Um, how important is it to have people skills in this industry and actually make connections and be able to speak to people? Be incredibly right? important. <laughs> incredibly, yeah. There's so many people I think don't understand that and they think they're just going to swan in and everyone's going to fall before them. Um, no. There's no. people approach me and they've been rude and I'm just like, you know what, nah, well, they've been quite snippy <laughs> and always the van doing them a favor. It's like, nah, bye. No, I mean, thankfully, it's very, very minuscule. But once you deal with something like that, you're like, nah, you're getting nowhere. And back to sort of crime, but it's more community-based, isn't it? I mean, this is almost grassroots community-based, even though it's a global yeah. platform. Right. I, coming from the self-publishing world, and I've been doing that for like nine years, I've seen a complete, it's like a big difference for me. For self-publishing, the group of friends that I have, they've all been so supportive. They've been supportive all the way since I started writing, all the way until I'm making movies. Uh, the indie world, it's a little different from my side. You don't see a lot of shares. But like I said, in my writing days, everybody was sharing everybody's work constantly. I, I just see like a little difference. Maybe it's just me. 
Why is that? Um, I always draw the analogy with authors in particular. Um, I don't know if you're fans of Terry Pratchett. I feel you, Terry. I've, I, I've not read anything. So, about um, Sorcery, he always talks about the natural place for a wizard to be is in their tower by themselves. And that's why, well, you know, I mean, the like the whole point of the, the Unseen Universe and that was to try and break that cycle of wizards murdering each other. Because whenever a wizard meets another one, they instantly just go at each other. You know, that, that was always the culture. Um, I kind of see a bit of that. Thankfully, I've managed to steer clear of it and I've met a lot of the right people. But you do see that sort of kind of, so an author sees another author, you're instantly competition and they're just, yeah, I'm better than you because I've sold 20 more books on you or, yeah, I'm going with, you know, horror isn't writing for a start. You know, that always bugs me. It isn't high art. <laughs> I'm like, but but also, if, if you look at it that way, I mean, in the self-publishing world, if you're a horror writer and you're befriending you share another horror writer's book and vice versa, you may be able to grab one of their fans to read one of your books. And vice versa, people buy more than one book. People watch more than exactly. one movie. I don't understand this nonsense. And social media seems to have um, exacerbated it, you know, of uh, I can only succeed by turning everybody else down. There must be a smoke and ashes and ruins around me for me to be number one. It's like, yeah, calm down. Just sell. You know, it's, it doesn't get people anywhere. Um, so yeah, you know, one of the things you said at the beginning, Colin, was that there's room for everyone. I mean, yeah. there's, there's literally room for everyone to succeed. Um, you know, there are so many consumers of entertainment. Um, everybody can make something that will make someone happy and yeah. have them entertained. So, yeah, I mean, I, I try to support other um, filmmakers that are out there, their Indiegogo campaigns. I've donated to other Indiegogo campaigns for people who are competing, you know, for the same audience that we are because there's there's more than enough to go around. This yeah. podcast cost me a fortune, I'm telling you, because I end up getting roped into stuff, and it's like, <laughs> you know, you just can't help yourself. You know, when you see things happening, like, oh, yeah, that's exciting. I want to get involved. I'll throw a few dollars here. I'll buy somebody's book. You know, just um, you can't help yourself. You know, if you're excited for the genre and creation, you you come at it as a fan. Just um, I want to see more of it. You know, that's why I love speaking to people like yourselves and bringing these on board, because we'll get to see the face behind, like Brian mentioned, you know, get the humanize rather than just another book cover or movie screen poster you know you can actually see what's going on and you can see it from scratch to finish i think people are fed up as well with like tv interviews that sort of clipped and polished and yeah you know go on a late night show and the same standard questions happen and you know it's, it's just our natural right? environments right you know when, when when you're on a pod i had i had a comedian on my podcast recently and he actually changed my perspective on podcasting in general because I've, I was very like, I wanted to be polished and professional. And he, he, he said to me, he said, you know, one of the things I love about podcasting is how raw it is and real it is. You know, there's bathroom breaks, the people coughing, you know, there's like, it's, it's those little imperfections that really set podcasting apart. And after he said that to me, it completely changed the way I do my podcast. Now I do a lot less editing. If, if I, I wanted to real quickly share uh, a, a real quick story yeah, please. About, about my own journey. Love and, stories and, here. And, and, and I, I want to share it because I think it will encourage people. Um, you know, when, when Ann talks about there's room enough for everybody at the table, that's so true. And what I will say is if you get out there and you put yourself out there, there will absolutely be people. Um, Oops, oh, awesome. Hope we <laughs> reconnect. Um, <laughs> there, there will absolutely be people out there who will try to take advantage of you. You do have to be careful. But – 
those are a lot more rare than you might think. And maybe they're not, maybe, maybe I'm just naive. But what I will say is there are also a lot of people out there who their passion is to help other people grow and succeed. And I met one of those people and um, I ended up, uh, his name is Mike. And I connected with Mike because he was a, a zombie in my fa- one of my favorite horror films. And so I had him on the podcast interview and he and I just became mm-hmm. friends. And Mike is so passionate about film. He's an he's a independent filmmaker himself. And one of his, what he likes to do now, you know, he's, he's done well in life and he's retired and now he wants to still be involved with film and not necessarily get his, you know, get his hands dirty, so to speak. He doesn't always want to be on set. So, so he likes to give to films. Mike is what he, <laughs> I actually, early on in, in, in my film that I'm working on now, I, I ended up losing uh, my cast. I lost my cinematographer as well. And, and with my cinematographer, with the equipment we were going to use to make the film. So I was back to filming on my cell phone. And so I called Mike. I was just really discouraged. And um, he had offered to send us some equipment to use anyway, but I, I just called him and you know, I explained to him what happened. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll get a package out to you. And that was like a uh, Monday when that happened. So Friday rolls around. I get a box in the, from, from uh, UPS. I open it up and there's a camera and a task cam for sound. There's like four different lenses. And this is a really nice lenses too. Um, bags just all kinds of, all kinds of equipment. Mm-hmm. And so I called Mike, I, I texted him or I texted him. I said, Hey man, I got the package. Thank you so much. This is amazing. He said, I'm going to call you in a couple minutes. So he called me and, and he and his wife, Brenda were on the phone. And, um, he said, you got, you might want to make us producers on your next couple films. Cause we just want you to know that we're, we're giving all that to you. That's yours to keep. Um, you know, the only thing he needed back was his was his task cam, but everything else, the camera, everything else, he, I mean, like thousands of and dollars. And that's not cheap. Um, no, no, I, not I, at I all. know a few photography and video nerds, and even the lenses Modern, alone, that's yeah. some that's some serious money. He changed my life, and he and he said, like, I like to invest in filmmakers, and I like to. And he said, I normally do it locally, but he said it doesn't matter. I mean, like, you know, he believed in what I was doing, and he said, I know that you know, just pass it along when the next person comes along that needs this you know, when you, when you graduate from this and grow, you know, grow out of this equipment, just pass along to the next person. And that changed my life. And there are a lot of people like him out there. So I, I want to say that to encourage people. There really is room at the table for everyone. Find a group of people that you can grow with that, that um, are invested in seeing you grow as much as they are themselves. And and like I said, there are a lot of them out there and, and, you, and I, th- I feel like it just sort of works itself out. You know, I never, when I started this venture last year, I never imagined I'd be sitting here doing podcasts like this, you know, mm-hmm. and being interviewed, not doing the interviews. I never imagined I'd be connected with Steve and Ann. You know, when I first met them, I never imagined I would be doing a project with them jointly like this. I, I never imagined, you know, my, my film would have grown as much as it has. I mean, it's, it just has a way of working itself out. And I really, I, all you need to focus on is hard work, getting yourself out there and, and, and trying to, help other people. And I think when you try to help other people, the help you need is going to fall in line as well. And it's going to come. Yeah. Um, another thing uh, <clears throat> I was going to bring it up here just about the antagonism, you know, especially with Hollywood where they slag off their fans and then the fans slag them off back. And it just, it's a whole negative thing and people are writing off humanity. But one thing about the horror genre I have noticed and especially horror creators as we seem to have missed that, now there's a bit of it, but, you know, everything seeps through, you know, everything's interconnected and not everybody 100% watches horror all the time, you know, you you, you have to be part of the world, so of course you're going to have to connect about it, but one thing I've noticed about horror is that doesn't seem to 
play here. We don't have that same antagonism and negativity in this genre. Yet, horror explores the worst parts of humanity, yet has the most faith in humanity. What do you say of that kind of contrast? You know, have you found that yourselves? And what is it about horror that has that? You know, it's it's the only genre I know that does that. Has some yeah. of the nicest people, people wanting to support each other, yet the topics and the creation themselves is the most gruesome. And, and it's actually a competition to be as gruesome and disturbing as possible and explore like the darkest depths of, you know, like the, the scariest monster is always a human monster, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. But what is it about that, you know, in horror? I have, I have a theory on that myself. I, I, you know, and it's not a hundred percent of the community, but I think a lot of the horror community is built up of the people who weren't popular in high school. They weren't the athletes. They weren't, you know, they, they weren't the popular kids. And, and I think most people in that community have a, have not only a deep need for love, they also have a great capacity for love. And I think when they connect with the horror community as it's grown and they feel that love and they found a place where they can be themselves and nobody judges them for it. Um, they in turn show that same love. And I think it just reciprocates, you know, and I think it's also a community that's full of creatives. And I think that's just something you naturally see in creatives. I mean, it's, it really is interesting. Like when you meet somebody like Tony, I, when I met Tony Todd, the guy plays some of the most evil characters you, you'll ever see in a film. And he's just one of the nicest people you ever meet. You know, he's just salted the earth. I, I think, I think it's just who, who these people are, you know, we're, we're not afraid. Artists tend to be eccentrics and eccentrics aren't afraid to be, outside of the status quo, you know, um, I think there's something special to be, I mean, whether or not everyone admits it, everyone has a bit of a dark side to them. We all have crazy thoughts. We all have things that about ourselves we don't like. And I think horror is a safe way to express those things and maybe, um, get them out of you, you know? I mean, like, you just don't, um, you let it out. You don't hold it in. I think the worst thing is that people trying to put on a facade, a fake persona. They're the ones that always fall. They're the ones that are always caught out. You know, and they're the ones that end up becoming the most toxic, which we don't need here. You know what I mean? That's where people play that game. I'd rather... I've had a smile on my face this whole interview. Do you know what I mean? That's the way I want to be. I want to laugh and joke. When I, I talk about movies, similarly, if I don't like a movie, I don't like it. You know, if I don't like a book, I don't like it, and I'll just say why. But I don't want to be sitting here and absolutely wallowing in misery, which a lot of the normies, you know, the good people seem to do now. And it's just, uh, it's mental. <laughs> it's just absolutely 100% mental. But yet, we're supposed to be the dark, scary people, the horror crowd. Yeah, that's just that's just a mis a misrepresentation. Steve, Steve, what were you going to say? Uh, you were you're so right about you know getting that out of you that. I don't want to say inner demon, but that those, I'm not sure how to put it, but you, you hit it right on the head. I think Brian, it's a way to express, not express yourself, but boy, it's really hard, <laughs> really hard to say, but you, you said it pretty well. You Thank said you. It right on the head. Yeah. So if somebody does me harm, I have no, I have no qualms about saying I would be quite happy if that person fell off a cliff. And I'll quite happily imagine them bouncing their heads and bones breaking on every rock as they roll down that cliff <laughs> and their skin splitting and 
you know, they get infected when they land. They don't die straight away, but when they land on the bottom, they're broken, and then they get infected, and that's what kills them. And it takes them days, and they die from dehydration, and then they get their eyes poked. At, you know what I mean? I have no problem saying if you do me wrong, that's what I wish in your future. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I'm going to say it and get it out there, and I'll be called the craziest person on the planet. But the forgive, you know, forgiving people are the ones that will actually start getting out the duct tape and plastic bags. You know, they're the ones that's actually going to do it. At the end of the day, it's art, and the human brain is such a, a, a strange and amazing thing. And I'll use Tom Savini as an example. You know, Tom went to Vietnam in 1968. Instead of doing Night of the Living Dead, he was overseas as a combat photographer. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, I mean, he 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 got the one job where you're guaranteed to see dead people. That's what they wanted him to do: is take pictures of death and destruction, and it messed him up. And it, it came. It had a big impact on his life for a while. And he, and what he did when he was overseas, he was able to separate himself from the reality through the lens of the camera. He'll, he'll say that, like he, he sort of was able to separate himself through the camera. But his way of of dealing with that horror that he saw and the trauma that it caused him was to turn around and start doing these really. He 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 had always been a makeup effects guy growing mm-hmm. up. You know, he's he's he loves Lon Chaney. You know, he, he was always making up his friends and things like that. He he turned to a creative outlet to deal with his trauma. And, and and I think that's why you see war memoirs. You know, you look at a guy like Eugene B. Sledge, who wrote uh, With the Old Breed at Peleliu in Okinawa. It's considered one of the greatest uh, war memoirs ever written. And I mean, he gets down to like, he, he goes so far, like he describes the sounds and the smells you know, the filth, the grime, like, you know, he, I mean, he, he goes, he takes a step further. I mean, like, but, but writing is art, makeup effects are art, movies are art. Like, I think art is a safe way to deal, like what Steve said, your inner demons, we all have trauma, we all have pain. And, you know, maybe instead of somebody harming someone else, they make Saul, you know, or, or they, they make child's play or nightmare on Elm street. You know, it's, it's, that came from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, we, we all, we all have, let's go. We're you know, like, I, 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 at some point, I want to do, um, so I, you know, I, I'll be vulnerable and transparent. Like, I, I deal with severe uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. It's extremely difficult for me. Traveling is difficult for me. Flying is difficult for me. Picking something up off the floor is difficult for me because of germophobia. And what really bothers me, and I was talking about this in a therapy group I had this week. Um, the only exposure I've ever seen OCD really get was an exploitative TV show about people doing exposure therapy. People have a really strong misconception of what the disease is. They think it's just washing your hands or being super organized. It's far beyond that. There are so many facets to the disease that people just, you have no idea. I want to make a pro I want to do a project that really sheds light on what this disease looks like. And it's going to be ugly and it's going to be raw and it's going to be uncomfortable. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of scared to make it because in a way it's going to force me to face my demons but I want to do it because I want people to truly understand what it's like to live with this. And, um, and that movie is going to be for me. If it may make money, it may not, but, uh, that's, that's for me. And I think that kind of goes back to what Steve was saying earlier. Like I'm going to make that movie ultimately for me, but hopefully it'll help other people as well. I just made a short film like Brian is talking about called hope, but I wrote, because uh, I'm a manic depressant. depressant, I suffer from depression and anxiety. So I wrote that as a way to release that from me and, and that possibly helped me 
and in a way help others so other people can see, hey, this is what goes on in your brain for somebody who suffers from depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tatum directed that, right, Steve? Yeah, she directed it. Yeah, so that's another example. Tatum is a young actress with Star, and Steve let her step up and direct. And it was, it was a very emotional thing for me to watch as she was, because she's the only one in it. So she mm -hmm. directed it and starred in it. And it's very emotional for me to watch as she was playing it out. Yeah, I, I, break, I broke down a couple of times and cried because that's how I, that's how I envision other people. That, what, that's what's going on in my brain when I go through this depression and anxiety. What they see is what goes on in my brain as she's having a conversation with her inner demon who's holding her back. Is there, um, there's always a thing about uh, people who direct and star in their own movies. Um, it always seems as, I know, a bit narcissistic, you know, a bit self-indulgent. Um, somebody who I think kind of jumped the chart a bit, Sylvester Stallone, he wrote a lot of his, you know, started writing movies, but he always put himself in the starring role, which I thought kind of took away from it. Is there a case of when it is a good thing to do, like you've just talked about, and when should you not do it? That's a great question. So when should you yeah. not? You know, when should you not direct? Movie? When, when's that point of? <laughs> yes, I've got this idea, but I don't need to be in front of the camera as well. Is that a? Is it because of if somebody's an actor originally? Is that a hard thing for them to do? Step away because they're used to being in front of the camera. I think or, a lot of times. I think sometimes if that's the case, people write characters for themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm writing this for me. Yeah, and I don't I think anybody else can do it right. Maybe. I think that's kind of what happened with Rocky. Rocky, yes, but he, it's more of the subsequent films. Um, like he wrote one, he's a Formula One driver, and he's not built like a Formula One driver. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And it just didn't, it looks stupid. <laughs> I mean, they write um, a role that, hey, I've always wanted to play this kind of role, so I write a movie and put me in it. Yeah, but is that, that's what I'm saying. Is, is there a line to be drawn between the self indulgence of, oh, I'd like to be that role, but you're not that role, if that makes sense? Yeah. How I think do you, it's yeah, how do you have that basis. check and balance between. Yeah knowing when to step away from the camera and creating the best product. Like you don't, you don't want to put me in a green beret film as, as you know, the leader of a green beret team. I don't, I don't match that description whatsoever. <laughs> you know, like that, that would just be a foolish casting decision on my part. If I wrote that film and starred in it, you know, like, yeah, I think there actually is a line. I think it's more of a case by case basis, you know, and, and there's always, there's a psychology to it. Like, you know, they may think nobody else could do it as well as them. You know, like they may have such a specific vision in mind that it's like, I have to play this part because I just am not convinced anybody else is going to capture what it is I'm looking for. It could be narcissism. It could be, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like, you know, with Rocky, that's, that was his life. That was his story. You know I mean? Like I completely understand why he did with Rocky because that he was telling his own story. Oh, 100%. That was, that's actually one of the, I think the most compelling backstories in cinema ever. Mm -hmm. The Rocky season. Now you should have stopped after part four, you know, in all honesty. You should after have done that. Enough. Put it to bed. Done. Once you get slapped about with Dolph Rundgren, you know, just, Right, that's enough. Stories told, but um, yeah, the actual original Rocky movie, even the sequel, uh, you know, I mean, some of the most interesting story in cinema. But you see too many people now are being self inserts. You see it in the comic book industry, you yeah. see it in writing. Everyone's like a self insert into their uh product and it doesn't work and it's turning people off. I think it so, just depends on the person because, like, you know, yeah. like, like I said about you know, about Steve. Steve's a very humble man and he's very behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to ever see him, you know, 
do something like that. But that's just that's just because of who he is. He's more inclined to let other people shine, you know. Um, it's I just think it depends on the person, you know. Like I, I and what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, I know as an actor, it's it's a good challenge to play something that's opposite your character. But for me, when I when I do that, um, you know, like I have to recollect things that happened in my life to trigger the emotions that you need to play that character. So I don't, I don't, I don't think necessarily you have to play people who are like you, but I think in order to play against your type, you have to be able to dig deep and, and do the, they refer to it as transference. So you transfer the emotion that you had in life in a different circumstance into that character, because that's the, the emotion that that character needs at that point in time. So it's part of the challenge and to find maybe a character that is far away from yourself as a person as possible to see where you can stretch or as a yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I've, I've been in plays where I've had to cry, um, you know, on stage at a particular point in time. And I do get involved like in the mindset of that character, but it's for me, I trigger it with things that have happened in my real life. Cool. Like I said, it's always been an interesting phenomenon because, um, you just see it, especially in the big machine, just put it, you know, the corporate sort of thing. It just, oh, here's a recognizable name. We'll stick down in front. It just becomes trite. So it's good to let people know when something's a genuine product. And also, if you're thinking about doing it yourself, how do you check and balance? How do you avoid the danger signs that yeah. you might actually destroy your product by looking just to indulge yourself? You know, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, time and effort, you need some sort of payback for your time and effort, don't you? Yeah, well, failure because it's just um, a therapy session. If that makes sense, then you're not really going to get any work. There's still there's still a bit of uh, having to take the audience into account. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's always, self reflection is always difficult, and I think you know, like I'm not in a position to just be able to do whatever I want. Um, you know, like some of the folks in Hollywood can, but you probably get to a point where you can just make whatever kind of movies you want, the money will come, the fame will come. And, you know, you probably look less back at that end product in terms of its quality. You know, I think it's just like an ego thing at that point in time. Mm. Yeah. And that's I where think... hopefully the indie market, you know, that says the challenge to that because people are, there's a hunger. You know I mean, there's a hunger out there for genuine content now. Yeah, people are tired of the machine, and that's why I'm bringing these. You know, I mean, let's not go down that road. And this is this shows members, but as creators as well. You know, probably primarily towards creators. And what are the pitfalls? How do you avoid them? How do you think about them? Do you think about them beforehand, or is it after you have a you know something goes wrong? You know, how do you have that sort of check and balance along the way, as well as this desire to create something? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I think I think the motivation shines through. You know, like when when I first started, my, you know, the, the movie I'm working on now, Blood Repentance. Like when I, I was going to be in it originally, but not because I had any interest in acting. It was more because I, it was a necessity. You know, like I was I was going to do it in like a found footage style, and I just, I had a certain number of characters I needed, and I was going to be the camera guy and play it. You know, have some like off camera dialogue kind of thing. And but as as the production grew. I grew out of the project. I didn't care. You know, my interest is not to be in front of the camera. My interest is to be behind it, you know, either the, you know, type, you know, writing the story or doing the cinematography or just directing in general. Um, 
you know, I don't know, I've, you know, it's interesting you ask that question. I've never actually ever been asked that. And it's a really interesting one. I've never, I've really never thought about it. You know, I think for me, it depends on who it is. I mean, you know, that show Barry that's on uh, HBO right now, um, you know, Bill, Bill Hader's directing and acting. And I think he's doing a fantastic job. I'm really enjoying it. You know, and I, I don't think it's much of an ego trip for him. I think it really, it's a case by case basis. It depends on who it is, you know, um, but I, I definitely see the point you're making. Yeah, just me. I see the pattern repeat so many times, and I would like to think we don't go that's the independent creators don't go the same route, you know, and maybe a better reflection before creating and seeing the pitfalls of where you could end up, and then we're back to square one again, and then a new independent independent yeah. <laughs> genre is going to have to get created because you become the thing. You know, it's about not becoming the thing you hate. Yeah, like, like if, if Steve if Steve were doing a movie every six months, it's like the latest Steve Herman project starring <laughs> Steve Herman. You know, yeah, like people get tired. It's like, okay, dude, right. come on, man. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's like give it a rest. Come on. The <laughs> next band, the next vanity project by Steve Herman. Like <laughs> you know, I just see my mug on the screen all the time. <laughs> written, directed, produced, and starring right. Steve Sorry, Herman. Like by the way, can I give a shout out to Dell? She is awesome. I'm really enjoying her commentary. She is great. Fantastic. Um, Dell is uh, one of our contributors. She's one of our authors that uh, and she's contributed quite a few stories. Um, one of also this podcast's greatest um supporters. She's always there. She's always liking and sharing. Um, she's your dream contributor. Do you know what I mean? She she's always there. Um, every time there's a comment on the video, all the stuff that actually. It's okay patting somebody in the back, but actually being there, prepared to share their stuff. She's turned up to many alive broadcasts as well. We'll have Eugene in as well, McLean, but I think he dropped off. Um, he's another one of the authors. So these are guys I work with, you know, and built a rapport with over the years, and they're fantastic. I wouldn't be sitting here doing what I do now. And it's actually these people bugging me to do interviews is why I decided to, you know, start this segment. Uh, it's actually people calling you good interview folks, calling you good interview folks. Oh, okay, I suppose I will. You know, I know I don't know myself about being the interviewer, no um, qualm or no no aspirations to do it. It's just um, people ask me. Got a fantastic bunch of people I'm working with, and that's back to what you're saying. Um, the way you've been inspired by other folks, so have I. You know, that's what we're we're all about, and we're trying to create here. And the more we can build this independent community mm-hmm. of people lifting each other up rather than tearing each other down. And I always say to my authors as well. Um, don't just share an episode that you're involved with. Share at least one other author's um, work. If you can do that, that multiplies by 10, 20 times. That's how the word gets there. Yeah, and it, get, and it gets noticed. I, 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 you know, I just in my own experience, I mean, like when I was, I was, when Trapidity stuff would pop up, I mean, I didn't do it every time, but I would share it and, you know, and, and Anne noticed it and she actually called it out one day. And I really, I never told you that, Anne, but I really appreciated you doing that, you know. Um, she uh when when i came on as a as a associate producer she actually mentioned that in the little announcement of me she's like you know he's very active in the community he's always sharing stuff like it gets it, that kind of thing gets noticed you know and so it just you know and thank you for for seeing that and, and calling that out that actually meant a lot to me i never told you that it meant a lot to me yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that i really like about doing the indiegogo campaign is that every time i someone makes a contribution I do. I make a, a custom graphic for them. Um, it's got their name in it. And then I do a little research on them, either on IMDb or I'll look at their Facebook profile and see if I can share a tidbit about that person with our entire group of 2,200 people to kind of give them a little, you know, lifting up um, 
as well. Plus, I mean, we just really appreciate the support. And that's uh, that's part of the people forget about networking. It's not about who you get to know; it's who you introduce other people to. And it mightn't come back immediately, but you you make a connection. Okay, Brian, here's Steve. Steve, here's Brian. Start working together, and then you just forget about it and go on. But the fact you've made that connection, that's always remembered somewhere. Oh yeah, Colin did that, you know, or oh Anne introduced me to somebody, you know. Oh, fantastic! And that it's a longer route, and I think. People for the grab the glory, if that makes sense. And that's why I'm always not preaching, but, you know, warning against knocking in that mindset. You know, don't worry about that. Yeah. Worry about your creating and be honest about it. Your and star. You do that. Yeah. Your star. And, and, and Steve's a perfect example of this. I'm glad you brought that back up because I wanted to say this. You were asking earlier about, you know, Steve being such a humble guy and staying behind the scenes. You know, how do you balance like him getting attention? He doesn't have to worry about that because people love him so much. They're going to brag about him. His star is going to shine. I mean, I, you know, and I both have multiple times in this podcast talked about how great Steve is and Steve is not. And Steve, his, his attitude the entire time has been to sit behind the scenes. He doesn't have to worry about that because people love him. And when you love somebody, you're going to brag about them, you know? So like that, I, I think, I think your star, you know, that humility will bring about your star shining. You know, that's, that's the really cool thing about it, you know? Like it's, it's, you just don't even have to worry about it. It just happens. Yeah. It's like people um, self-defeat before they even begin because the worry, I think too much about being at the pinnacle where, you know, I mean, life's pyramidal anyway. There's only so much at the apex that can fit. And even then getting from like the third tier to the second tier to the first, that's a 90% harder struggle than going from the bottom rung to get to the middle. But you can quite easily climb the ladder and get somewhere and it still be a rewarding, productive life, and it can still be worthwhile creations. Yeah, and it's so just about reminding people why are you getting into this? Why are you making something? Why do you want to do it? Why do you put pen to paper? Why do you turn on the camera? Why do you stick my big fat shiny head in front of a microphone and camera? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> why do we do it? There are so many unsung heroes on a film production from the grips and gaffers to, I mean, like, and, you know, this movie couldn't happen without Anne. Like she, I agree. I don't understand how she does what she does. I mean, she's scheduling, she's budgeting, she's coordinating. She's chasing everybody down, including me, by the way, I'm one of the freaking. I'm the one that helped put this all together. I know Lee introduces. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like I'm I, the I, one you know, that's been, no, no getting the, uh, whipping back and forward, getting the times together making sure we understood, you know, okay, so we're using the platform, we're doing this, you know, the questions, um, I made a stupid typo, got corrected that, oh, got that fixed, you know, <laughs> what, things what, like that. Even before we, the camera switched on and we went live, you know, there was a couple of hours worth of work there. What's, what's really ironic is some of the things that I get frustrated with in my productions, I'm guilty of with Anne. She has to like ask me things more than once sometimes. Like, <laughs> but, you know, she she's amazing. Like she's really probably the, the most unsung hero of this production. Like it, it just couldn't happen. Like I, I really, what she does, I don't know how you do it, Anne. I really don't. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it helps that I'm like mostly retired from it. Um, so I, I sold off a part of my business at the beginning of this year and that they really freed up time. I mean, I still, I still have work work to do, but um, I enjoy organizing things. So that background in information technology you know, you're constantly 
And things have to be just so, right? You know, <laughs> otherwise. I come from a database design background, <laughs> so everything has to go in this little box and has to be tagged correctly and has to, you know, the query you get it, must man. be the right query must run. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I like I like spreadsheets. What, uh, what can I say? <laughs> you know, I'm using software to break help me break down the script because I value my time. And if I have more time available, then I can do more promotion of the campaign and we can have the funds and we can make the best movie. And, you know, it all, it all feeds uh, the next step. And it's, and I like learning as well. So, uh, I mean, I think that's part of what motivates me is that I, I actually, you know, we talk about that IT background. I worked in information technology for more than 40 years and I decided I wanted to get some creativity in my life. So at the age of 58, I decided I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to be on TV. And so I figured out how to get on TV shows that they film in Chicago by doing background acting. And I took Why classes. The Pardon? Why the hell not? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a good thing for a bucket list. I, I um, just hear people having limitations imposed on them or imposing it on themselves. You know, it's, it's a waste of potential and it's a waste yeah. of happiness. You know, I'm all about being happy, even though I love naughty stuff. You know, it's, uh, mm. if you can't be happy in life, then, What's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not, not only is are you guys okay for time, by the way. Normally I set these for an hour, but I I go on for I'm as okay. Long. I'm fine. For, yeah, these no, are all good. Like, yeah, Steve is having trouble with his internet connection. That's I know. I just keep bringing him back on when he pops back in again. So yeah. well. Here it happens. I've if you look at some of our earlier streams, I've had I've lost the audio on streams where people can't hear me talking. We've been there's a guy. Um, actually, I'm having him back on David McCluskey. Our first stream kept cutting off. Zoom was just being an absolute pig and kept kicking us off. And we had to like stop and then I had to like go up, oh, but lost against game, yada, 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 back on. We ended up talking for near two hours, but you know, that's once again, people love to see the rawness. It's yeah, podcasting. That's what makes you human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it's just, I mean, Anne may be retired, but I mean, she she's doing an acting career and she's also juggling multiple projects and scheduling and coordinating and, it's just like I really want to make sure she gets the credit she deserves because she is incredible and a freaking rock star, man. Like an answer, I don't know how you do it. It's 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 incredible. <laughs> it really is. Sometimes I'm a little tired. <laughs> uh, it's worth it though, um, because there's always um, peak and trough, isn't there? There's that time you're just absolutely knocking your pan in, and you can't see for one day for the other, and especially when you're trying to balance things, and then you get that, ah, and then two days later, like I'm bored. I need something to do. <laughs> I think if you're that way minded, you know, you don't stop. Yeah, you might complain about being tired, but you're like, you're in the moment though, and you yeah. and you get that end, you've got an end goal, and you know what you're it's gonna create something. Yes, yeah, and with working with Steve, I mean he he already has ideas for several more films. So, you know, he'll he'll bounce ideas off of me. So I mean, I know he has more creativity in him. Um you know, and hopefully we can we can all, all keep working together and have more podcasts with you, Colin, and talk about oh, absolutely. Um, this isn't a one shot deal. You know, I want uh, I want all sorts of guys on. I want to talk about different things. I want to see uh, projects out there. I want to shine a light on it. Um, I also do reviews as well. I know you've mentioned another uh, movie which you've currently got out there. Yeah, um, I'm going to watch that during the week and do uh, do like short reviews. Oh, that'd be well. nice. So I'll put that out there. Um, when Steve comes back on, we'll have horrific tales. So, like I said, with tabled authors, we perform excerpts, you know, maybe a chapter or a short story. There's just another way to do it. Because I, uh, I started po uh, podcasting sort of 2013. 
So with another thing, and I, I was actually interested in the radio players. So you know the old 1950s radio players, the Lone Ranger and Graveyard Mansion and all that kind of stuff. So I got into yeah. Foley artistry. You know, uh, there's something about having a table full of random stuff and trying to make sound effects. You know, that's that stuff's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I still use some of it. You know, I use a lot of digital stuff, but I still use some of that stuff I made like years ago for what we do now. You know, that's that's part of fun. Just giving uh, if somebody else has a vision. And you can give them a bit of a boost and give a bit of life to it. Why not? And it's fun to do. Yeah. Film, filmmaking very much is a team. You know, we, we tend to be very singular in our view on things, I think, as human beings. And I think people who are outside of the process don't realize that it's it takes an entire village of people to make a movie happen. Like I, 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 Steven Spielberg, if nobody would work with him, he would be nobody mm-hmm. because you can't, he cannot make a movie by himself. He needs an entire team, you know, like, like when, you know, every time I do an interview, you know, I, I, I have to remind myself, like I'm here because of my team, you know, like I, I, I just happen to be in the position where I'm talking to people, but all of all of all of my crew and all of my actors. Ultimately, I'm here because of them. I'm I'm being the spokesperson for them. I'm standing on their shoulders, you know. So it, it's it's uh, it's important to always remember that, like you know, any success you have as director, um, it's purely because of your team, you know. And 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 it's it's important the team you build, and that's you know, going back to Acrostar. I mean, like that's that's what so I mean, Acrostar is mm-hmm. doing so well. Steve has done an incredible amount of stuff in a very short period of time. I mean, it's really, it's really amazing what he's accomplished. He, he doesn't, sometimes I feel like Steve doesn't really give himself enough credit or, or understand how amazing what he has accomplished. You think he's got you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, (laughs) Uh, but But like I, I, it's, you know, as a filmmaker, I'm in awe of him. You know, I, 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 there's no way I could pull off what he's pulled off and he, but he's, and he's also just managed to build this really, incredible group of people who all love him like everyone loves steve everyone loves steve and it's not in a sycophantic manner it's actually no, no, genuine family yeah, sort of vibe yeah it very much is like he he i mean dude, i fell in love with the guy like i mean i i you know and he loves them and i mean and, and you can see that he's very protective of them he's very fatherly um and, and i think that's awesome and and you and you can see him express that love and like you know when he's talking about that that short he did with Tatum he let Tatum direct that like um mm-hmm. I mean like if there's anybody in in the in the crew that wants to do a specific thing he will make it happen you know if I if if I if I'm pretty sure if I went to Steve and said Steve I want to direct something that you've written I'm pretty sure he'd let me do it he'd mm-hmm. find a way to make it happen that's just the kind of guy he is you know that's uh, that's wonderful because you, you you need to we need to see more of that back again because that's why um, a lot of us been left lost in the machine you know i mean the sort of corporate world that that's even been lost even teamwork like i'm i'm burnt out you know i'm not even 50 yet and i'm burnt out with work you know and that doesn't mean i don't want to do something productive but the sniping the environment everyone trying to scramble up one rung of the ladder for what you know it's just it's a pointless waste of energy and effort and you see it in create uh creativity as well mm-hmm. which is starting it because creativity is escapism and it's all in the fruits of the, somebody's labor. Um, and I just want to see that back again. I want that to come back in the creative endeavors. And that's why people like yourselves are so important. You know, and it's so important that you get as much exposure as possible. And 
let people see the genuine, the real deal, which hopefully they do. You know, uh, it's vital, and we need that to get back. Because my my whole thing is as well, and back to what you're talking about, um, Steven Spielberg. Now, one thing we are about this channel is anti-piracy. You know, because it takes a village of people to create stuff on a, you know, minimum 10, 20 at the core, and then everyone else you bring in. It's not just the big stars or the people at the top you're doing out of it. You're doing out workers, or maybe someone might even get a casual job or a job as an extra, that if you take money, if you don't support a creative project, um, even like uh, books or like a lot of these indie films, they're less than a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? A cup of coffee is five bucks now, so... What are you? What are you really giving of your time just to support creative endeavors? Um, you've all different tiers on the Indiegogo campaign, so not everyone's having to like take out a second mortgage and jump in. You can easily just show your support and get a, a thank you. You know, that's if you need something back for it. Well, um, I mean, a, a, dollar, a lot of people don't. You don't need to give an exorbitant amount of money. Like if a, if if two thousand people saw it and gave a dollar, mm -hmm. you know, that's there's fifth year two fifth year uh, budget already paid yeah. for. You know, like, like sometimes when I share it, I'll just put that on there. Like if everybody just gave a dollar, that's extreme. I mean, anything helps. That's one more dollar that we didn't have. We're not going to scoff at any, uh, at any particular thing. Love that I said about being room for everyone. So Dale, listen, if, if you, if you want to be whatever you want to do, you absolutely can make it happen. Like I'm, 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 I think that's great. Like I, 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 I encourage everyone, I, something that changed my life, there was a, um, Joe Bob Briggs did a, a, a little monologue on The Last Drive-In, and you can find it on YouTube, it's called Keep Rolling, and it's about five minutes and 47 seconds long, and he talks about filmmaking, and he said one thing in particular that completely changed my attitude, and he said that, I'm not going to repeat the language you use, but essentially he said there's no such thing as this. Oh, go ahead, if you want to, and that's, we don't care. No, it's, it's just who I am, <laughs> Like I, uh, you know, but, but he, he said, essentially, there's no such thing as an aspiring filmmaker. He said, you are a filmmaker. You know, he said, you're not a doctor. You're not an accountant. You're not a mechanic. You're a filmmaker. He said, if you've got 10 minutes a day to work on your screenplay, you work on your screenplay for 10 minutes a day. You're a screenwriter. You're you're. And when I heard that, man, I was so fired up. I was like, yeah, we're making this happen. I just started making my movie, you know? So like, um, I love to encourage people and I love to, inspire people and like i want everyone to feel the magic that it, i'll never forget and it almost can make me cry a little bit i'll never forget the first day on set of my movie I, I i'm literally standing there in this this location and i'm surrounded by actors and crew and, it, and it's just like this this so surreal i mean i'm reliving it right now as i talk about it. it's just like it's like, holy crap, I'm making a movie right now. Like, these people are speaking the dialogue I wrote. Like, these, it's magic. It's amazing, you know? Um, I want everyone to get to experience that. I, I'm yeah, still here that. And, and, Dale, add me on Facebook. If you ever have questions or if you ever have any, you know, if you ever need any any help or anything towards pursuing your dreams, man, I'm, I'm happy to, to try to answer any questions or, or offer any help that I can. I'm That's trying all. to talk her to come on, but she won't do it. <laughs> no, I keep on. trying to get Dale to jump on camera, but she's like, Shan, I'm like, dude, it's only a bunch of people talking. Yeah, it goes out the Yeah, get on the podcast. Come on. You got sick. Yeah, Steve has sent, sent me a message and said he's tried to reconnect and he's just buffering and buffering. So oh, um, no, no. he probably won't join us again. That's a shame. No, I kind of guess he had problems or I'm just uh, keeping an eye out here. He's just he not in the major metropolitan area at the moment, so um we have trouble with the connection. 
you do what you can. At the at the end of the day, even him being isolated, he was able to join in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's the beauty of uh technology and these platforms is that with more chance for people to connect. Now the other side is that the establishment, you know, the so-called uh creators, they're saying their bubble get burst because they have been so lazy, they've got you know, I mean it's the fall of Rome. They have just used the not being challenged. And back to what I'm saying about the negativity, you know, people have you the sea or star shine at all, and the sea is a threat, they want to tear you down. And unfortunately, that's what these people are saying now. That's why they're so to go after people like who goes after your fan base on you know I mean who, who slags off your customer? It's just madness. There's no yeah. logical reason. But you're saying these guys are feeling the pinch now because I'd rather sit on YouTube and watch this than a hundred talk shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um I'd rather watch a hundred indie independent movies than go to the cinema and see whatever the latest shiny thing is. Yeah. It's it's just such a special privilege and honor to get to walk amongst filmmakers and to get to be a part of that. Um, it's, it really is magic. Like, you know, when I see the business side of it sometimes, like I'm like, Oh, that's just really, that's, that's discouraging. Cause there's something magic people. Some people, I, I think people don't really realize how powerful cinema is. You know, like I, I had a, I had a guy who, who um, I have a friend who's been a director. He's been in the, the industry for about 40 years. And I talked to him for about two hours one night. And he said something to me that was really profound. And, and I had never considered this. He, he kind of cautioned me to consider the power you wield as a filmmaker because he said, you're not just making entertainment. You have the power to change people. Um, You can make something so powerful and so compelling and so gripping that you can literally change people at their foundation. It's one thing to influence, but it's another thing to change. You can change people's beliefs even. And that's not a small thing to wield, you know, um, so, I mean, it really is, it, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of it. And I just, I love, independent film is so cool because you get to see so many people, um, especially when you're like, when you're sitting on Facebook and you're watching mm-hmm. these things happen, you're like, you're seeing, you're seeing people post their posters and, you know, they're saying like, hey, I booked a gig, you know, or I got, you know, I got, a, it's, it's just so fun to watch that, you know, and, and so fun to encourage that and see and just watch other people grow. It's almost like the music industry, you know, people follow the band. People volunteer to be the roadie. People go to the, you know, follow them around to the different bars and clubs. And obviously they get bigger. You know, it's it's the same sort of vibe with the fan base. If you can build up, that's half your battle. But um, I was saying, just building those connections, even with other creators, even if you're never going to work together, what does it hurt to that's show the that humanity? That's the and, key. Anybody, and see, here, here's the other message people need to know. Anybody can do it. Like, I mean, no joke, in October of last year, Nobody knew who I was. I was an IT guy. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of my friends and family, nobody really knew who I was. Um, and just by getting out there and interacting with the community and people, other people loving me, and um, because it really is whether or not we want to label it that, it takes an act of love to help somebody pursue a dream. You know, so there have been a lot of people out there who have loved me and believed in what I'm doing and helped me bring my dream to a reality, you know, but like, I really want to encourage people like anybody can do it. You know, Dale, you know, your entire audience, if you're thinking about making a movie, stop thinking about it and do it. Yeah. Write your screenplay, 
you know, connect with your local film community on Facebook and ask them questions. And the more questions you ask, that's going to get your name out there. And eventually people are going to start coming to you and remain humble and be willing to help. That's the most important thing is being willing to help. Don't worry about, um, don't worry about your star shining. That'll do it on its own. That's not the motivation to do this. Don't get into this to get rich or famous. Get into this because it's something you're passionate about. I pursued filmmaking because I've been very unhappy in my other line of work. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I'm a creative person and I love movies and I love cinema and I see the magic in it. And I want, and I want to make that happen. I don't care if I get rich, you know, if I can make a living doing this, that's enough for me. I don't give a crap if I get rich. Like it's just fun to make movies. I mean, it's just, I mean, and I mean, it's it's awesome. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't uh, can't have money motivate a dream. Uh, no, it's what's um, in your heart. It's empty if you do. It really is. Another thing I've come across, like I think we're similar backgrounds. Although I've never been, I've always been close with IT people, but never been one officially. I've also been the being in the life of IT people because I, you know, this whole culture of going to third party software houses where oh, here have somebody in house, you know, uh, put things together. Um, as they had sort of discussions, if that makes sense. But when you work in an environment where it's not creative and you have to tick the boxes and you have to be by the book, having that outlet when you can't do it in your job, but your job is what puts food on the table, keeps the roof over your head, just accept that. So many people put all their eggs in one basket. Their career has to be their whole identity, their whole reason for being. Um, it's always an enigma. People uh, come across me, you do what in your spare time? It's like, yeah, and. but you don't do it here. So <laughs> this is just to pay my bills. This is where I turn up to do what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. The rest you know, is fun. A lot of times, other things going on in your life will dictate when the right time is to focus on that stuff. So, I mean, if I look back at my past, um, I mean, I started playing the piano when I was five years old and I play up until this day. Um, I was in plays in high school and then went to college and got this great degree. And so I had to have this career, but then I had kids. And so I kind of put the career second and the family first. And, you know, then as they age and you mature in your career and you start looking toward retirement, you're, you're thinking, okay, what did I not do that I wanted to do? And, you know, and I, for me, I kind of went back to those artistic roots. So the artistic side was always there, but it just went dormant for a while because life had other priorities for me. And uh, now I'm just really enjoying it. As I guys, I started learning to play the flute when I was 38. And uh, (laughs) it was funny because when I took one of the exams and I'm going to the, you know, to do the exam thing uh, for grade two and all the rest are like we kids. (laughs) And then I'm walking in, you know, Everyone's like, I mean, who the hell is this lunatic? That's kind of thing. Like, you know, it's a bunch of kids, and you got like this one dude that's like 40 in the karate class. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get sweets. And I'm like, I'm going to the flipping pub. You know, after. <laughs> I, was, I was flipping stressful because I think you have that thing of, you know, there's 10 year olds better than you. <laughs> Could you be learning? I have a find it so easy. Story. Yeah, similar story. So I always wished that my parents had had money to send me to dance lessons. And so I actually took my first dance class when I was in college. I took ballet, you know, with people who've been doing ballet for a long time. I was not good. And then I 
got out of school and started working and had some money to spend. So I'm like, I'm signing myself up for a dance class. And I was in a recital, my first dance recital at the age of 21 with 10 year olds on the stage with me who could twirl around better than me. But yeah, I, I bought the costume, I wore the leotard, I did the whole shooting match. <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it. I don't know if I could have done it. I probably would have skipped the recital. I'd, I'd be too self-conscious. <laughs> yeah, but that's, um, that's half the fun. Um, and that's another thing to bring out. This it's just flipping through it. So you don't have to be good. This whole thing of you must be the best. That's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to break that perception. Yeah. You know, that's my personal mission is to break people's perception that you can only do something if you're going to be a millionaire doing it, or you're going to be the top ten, or blah blah. Even though you don't, you just need to find an outlet, try something new. I'm sorry, but you're not dead after. Everyone seems to think after 25 you're dead, and that's it. You just become a husk. <laughs> Far from I intend it. to finish this life with my last breath, doing everything I can. Do you know what I mean? That's that's just the only way to do it. And it's the same as you guys with your projects. You know, bloody do it, enjoy it, and do it for you. And that's once you've got that, nobody can stop you. Nobody. Yeah. And that's I'm true. just um, I'm talking to proof every time I have one of these interviews with people. You know what I mean? You're doing it. You've got tangible results. And that's just proving again that you don't have to be gatekept. You know what I mean? People that gatekeep and prevent you coming into something have a reason for doing it. And it means they're not very good themselves. They've either done something all their life and that's their only thing to have to identify themselves. You know I mean, that's their, their one thing in their life is their entire identity and reason. And anybody that comes and has a go at it is a threat to them. Well, that's your problem, not mine. Uh, I have seen it with authors. Um, like I said, thankfully, those sort of people I don't have anything to do with. If I get my sort of with, I'll check it out. No interest in working with you. You know, if you're that sort of person that wants to gatekeep and tear other people down and not even give them a chance. Now, if somebody's not good at something and people don't respond to it, fine. That's on them. At least give them a chance to put it out there. For fuck's sake, you know. Like I said, this whole nastiness, there's no need for. Just really gets me down. And you can become very bitter. And you're going to be a better, twisted, empty person spending half your life re with regrets and wonders. So what? Are you making a mistake and fluff up? So what if you don't, uh, people don't like it? At least you've tried. And if it's because you're making mistakes, we'll learn from them and at least you can get better. You can always learn. I've learned yeah. a lot in this, year, in this podcast, you know, and especially these live streams, these have been the being in my life with yeah. technology and getting it happening. Mm -hmm. I just... I mean, it's always something to tweak at. <laughs> Even made a mistake at the start of this one, put the wrong title up because I was doing a review last night. You know, it's, but it happens. You, you just can't let it stop you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think I think one of the coolest things that I, I've experienced in, in pursuing all this has been the the relationships and the friendships that I've built. You know, like my podcast has afforded me the the opportunity to talk to people that I never thought I'd get to talk to. Um, you know, this week I interviewed a, a guy named John D. Hancock and he, he's mm -hmm. been directing for over 50 years. And, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he did Prancer. He did, um, let's scare Jessica to death. I mean, uh, bang the drum slowly. Like he did all these, these iconic films and it's, it, it's, it's fascinating to get to talk to them and ask them questions and get their insights and their wisdom on things. Um, but it's also really cool when you connect with some of these people and 
you can walk away from it actually considering them a friend and you have their contact info and you can just like, that's been the most bizarre thing is like, you know, my, my favorite movie of all time is the 1978 Dawn of the Dead has been for 23 years. And um, I've connect, I've gotten to not only interview, but also become friends with, you know, some of the people from the cast and man, I, I've never wanted a time machine more in my life than to go back to my 13 year old self and say, Hey dude, guess what? Like that's your future. But that, yeah, that's one, not one one day, the fun's not known. yeah, like it, it's it's you know, I mean, when I got to interview Scott Reiniger, and what was funny is when I was interviewing John, um, I think that was like the one thing he got the most excited about in our conversation was when I told because you know, I, I had asked him the question about what has it been like to reach a place in your life where you can write an autobiography that you know people are going to care about, like you've let you've led a life that people are interested in. And, um, and he answered the question and I said, you know, really, man, like I, maybe I actually, what, what, maybe it wasn't that quick. I had asked him a question. I said, the only way I can relate to this, and I told him to get an interview Scott Reiniger and, and how sort of full circle and surreal that was. And it really, I, I don't know. It was really cool. Like his, his whole demeanor changed when I mentioned that, that to him. And it's like, I don't know I, I it's like, I just connected with the guy over that one little experience I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really love to, uh, it's changed the way I watch movies. Um, you know, tomorrow night I'm going to be doing a, a podcast with a friend of mine and we're going to be reviewing the new predator movie, Prey. And this week I've, I've watched some of the the previous films and I was watching, um, uh, it, it's the one with Adrian Brody in it where they, they drop on the planet. Oh, predators. Predators. Yeah. Yeah. The drop. That was almost a ripoff of Hunter's Moon. I've read some of the books. You I know what? Some of the graphic novels and books are people. Much more can- fun. People can say what they want about that movie. I love that film. It was the cinematography. It had beautiful, amazing cinematography. And I, I, had, I have not watched that movie since I, you know, it's been years since I've seen it. And I was watching it. And, you know, I, I when, when I'm doing my movie, like I, I run the camera and I direct. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm learning about cinematography. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm just getting my hands dirty with it. And it's given me such a greater, like I now watch films and I'm much more, deep level like I, I feel like i'm able to appreciate films more because i look at how difficult it is to make one at times you know yeah. just the budget and the getting people together and the scheduling and getting money and finding locations and then scheduling locations and then you know you have to plan your shots so like well, where's the sun going to be at this time you know like what's the weather going to be like i mean there's so many little things and that's and again i'm shout out to ann she has to think about all these things all the time like you know there's all these things that go into so i mean when you like most people just see the end product. They don't see all of all of the months and months and months of planning and pain and, and frustration that go into, you know, planning everything. So I'm watching that movie. Man, the cinema. Most people don't create. Most people yeah. have never created a thing in their life. And you can't um, blame. Never try. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame because it's not something you know. It's not something everybody wants to do. But man, part of me wants to get everybody to make a movie just so they can see how magical it is to watch one after you do it or, or even in the process. Cause I'm still in the process of making my first film. Um, you know, like, like it's just completely changed how I watch movies, but, but for the better, like, I mean, I watched tour, tour, tour recently. Have you guys ever mm-hmm. seen that world war two film? No, I haven't actually. Um, so it's about the attack on Pearl Harbor and it was done in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was watching this movie and working at the same time. And I'm just like the whole time, like, Holy crap, Holy crap, Holy crap. Like every time I was like, Holy crap. How did they, I mean, like, I, just what they pulled off in that film, especially like the aerial shots. They didn't have drones back then, man. They're, they're, you know, like, and they're, you know, all, all the aerial shots they have with the planes and stuff. I was just so in shock and, and all and blown away by what they accomplished with this film in the 1960s or like 2001 a space odyssey, you know, all the stuff Kubrick did in general. I mean, 
it's it's just it's just filmmaking is awesome. Like I love I'm, I love it. it. It's one of the most amazing things in the world. And I want everybody to do it. Absolutely want everybody to do it because it's or amazing. something creative. My my whole mantra yeah. and the whole whole thing behind this podcast is don't just consume. Get involved. Mm-hmm. I say it at the end of everyone. You know, get involved with the links. If you've never written before, even if it's a short story, just if you've no intention of getting published, put something down. We'll give it a shot and get it out there. At least you've created something. The minute you create something and put it out into the ether, that's nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah, you're putting your, you know, what I mean, you're putting your heart, your soul, you're you're thinking about it. Um, you're using past experiences, you're using your emotions, you're using your life experience, you're using everything, and you're conveying your words. Uh, whatever medium it might come, you know, if you've never sculpted before, painted, drawn, it doesn't matter. But for someone to do that, actually create something and put it out there. And once again, back to what I think we're all in agreement of, don't think about the money, don't think about the stardom. That That's a secondary, in fact, tertiary, just that's way down the list. It's the honesty and the will to create and the willingness to put in the work is what gets things done. And I believe everyone should have it, like you said, um, not just filmmaking, but have a go at creating something. Understand the difficulties and the things you have to learn and the research you have to do, um, even drawing, you know, paints, primary colors, the, the spectrum, uh, different, te- you know, acrylics, I suppose the oil paints, as opposed to watercolor. You know I mean, there's so much different papers that, you know I mean? There's so much you have to even think about before putting your creation in there. Music, uh, it's endless. You know I mean? The, the forms of glass blowing, you know I mean? We could probably list a hundred things here right now of what you can create and actually become skilled artisan. At. Yeah, even if you're not a creative, I mean, film productions need people that don't necessarily do creative things, you know, and, and uses both sides of her brain, you know, she's a creative, but she's also a very technical person. We need ants. We need people who can be production supervisors and line supervisors, um, or I'm sorry, line producers. We need, we need people who can budget. We need people who can, you know, like, like movies. I want to are- get those sort of people onto the show because yeah, I've spoken, I've spoken to authors, I've spoken to directors, and actors, I want to reach out, and I've had a couple of unsuccessful times. People haven't turned up, etc. But I've tried to speak to sound engineers and best boys. You know, anybody in the background, I want to hear from. I don't want to get you out here and talk about your craft. And even if it's a bunch of people, you know, and just talk about the the background, what it takes. Why not? Yeah, because by it's- proxy, you are like you know, and and even with the Indiegogo, if you give a dollar to an Indiegogo campaign to see a movie get made, you're you're by proxy creative, you know, your, your contribution, while it may seem small is huge, you know, because that ultimately is leading to the success of that project. And when that project gets made, you're a part of that, you know, even whether or not you're in the credits, you can walk around with the pride. It's like, Hey man, this really awesome movie that came out. I got to be a part of that. I got to contribute and see it happen. You know, like Mm -hmm. those contributions are huge. You know, they're, you know, they're they're just happen to be perks available because we want to, you know, sweeten the pot, so to speak and, and motivate people. But like, even if there were no perks, I mean, like when you give to when you give to a film and that film gets made and it succeeds, like you're a part of that success. It wouldn't have happened without you. And that's just the reality. You know, like if the only funding or the primary funding came from Indiegogo, even if you gave only a dollar, that movie would not have happened without yeah. you. Your dollar made the difference. You know, that's important for people to remember too. And a simple share, get the word out there. Here, I just donated to this. Let people know that's that's a project that you just will know about. Well, you may not have given like one of your friends might, you know, one of your family might. Like th- mm-hmm. those shares, you know, especially if you, you know, if you have like seven or eight hundred friends on Facebook. Well, I mean, if you share and people see 
you know, look at what you do. I mean, that's seven or 800 people that are going to see your Indiegogo. And, you know, what if 10 of them gave five bucks? What's $50? Right. You know? right. Yeah. yeah um, with the film, like it came from somewhere. I mean, it's a, it's a niche type of, of uh, market for us. I mean, not everyone is going to be into a 1950s style feature feature film, but maybe you know you know maybe one of your friends is or a friend of theirs is so yeah we do definitely encourage uh, the sharing and you know, we've tried to make it easy for people also to, to find our campaign you can just type it came from somewhere.com that'll take you right to the indie the links are in the description by the way folks on the indiegogo as well and also what i like to do is get your personal links and we'll, we'll add that all in the comments so once again we'll yeah. get that out there so uh, afterwards, uh, if you want to email me and just give me a whole list of links, sure, <laughs> we'll get sure. that all out there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah. And thanks, thanks so much for having us, Colin. Uh, oh, really, absolutely. Really... Yeah, we've been nearly going for uh, two hours. Sometimes you wonder, especially when we've all met for the first time, okay, can we talk? <laughs> and then that, and that's the best thing, just having a natural conversation. That's why I said it. Just uh, about five questions and that, you know, half the time that goes out the window because <laughs> it's yeah. more fun, more organic, just to... Uh, chew the fat and talk about stuff. So, final most important question then, when can folks expect to see a came from somewhere available and created and ready to buy? Um, the film will be fully available before the end of the year. Um, you know, we'll have to figure out um, where we're going to release it. What we did with our prior film, Trepidity, is that um, once we had it done and we submitted to a few film festivals, we did kind of a review weekend so the folks that were in our, our Facebook group, um, they had access to watch the completed film online for a weekend so we could get some views and uh, you know get some reactions to it and things like that. Um, we'll, we'll probably look for some sort of distribution on It Came From Somewhere. What platform? I can't say at this point in time because I, I quite frankly have no idea. But I mean, one thing that Steve Herman is good at is once we film it, he dives right into editing. Um, he's going to be doing the majority of the editing himself. We've got a sound guy already lined up. Um, so it'll come together pretty quickly. Oh, that's cool. Um, I don't want to go off on another tangent. Maybe we can go back again and talk about film festivals. That's a very niche thing. Not much, not very many of the general public are aware of them and how you can go to them. They say it is this elitist, you know, invite only sort of event. And they're, believe it or not, they're not very well advertised. Which is a bit of a shame, you know, like especially Facebook, there's local groups for uh, regions. Is, you know, you should see more of it in your area. I couldn't tell you now of an indie film festival going on in my area. If that makes sense, it's something you have to go digging and looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something we can, uh, if you know people, reach out, get them to come on, uh, get in touch with me, come on the show. We'll talk about film festivals as well. You know, that's what I want to do. I want to open this world out, up. I want people to, know it's out there and it's accessible you don't have to just have to go to the corporations yeah like and like i said for me you know i'm i'm on facebook um at, people can add me as a friend like I, when i first got into filmmaking what i wanted is somebody that can answer my questions i'm happy to be that for people mm -hmm. so you know if anybody dale by the way it's very nice to meet you as well come on i the think podcast. she added you she said she added you as a friend so awesome get on the podcast dale jump on the podcast do what it. i'll don't, do as well guys we have a we have a private group for contributors so I'll get you on, on there and you can kind of see our background as well and sort of the people we work with. Yeah. Who knows? You know, it's all about making the connections. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. So I think that'll be it because we could, I have just got a feeling we could go on for about three hours and stop. So I think, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll try and uh, limit ourselves and give you a bit of a breath. Um, 
Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, make sure you keep up to date with our guests. Like I said, our links are in the description. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Keep an eye out. We, uh, we put these ahead of time or stream, so you can always uh, sign up and get notified when the streams happen. Please check out our other segments. Like I said, we've got multiple different segments doing different things and promoting uh, independent horror. Uh, getting bored. Support this project. Um, I've got the Indiegogo link. Click on it. Give money. Share it around. Let's get this movie happening and really uh, successful. We'll talk about it when it comes out and get it promoted as well. And the last thing to say is until next time, folks. Uh, I'm find my mouse. There we are. <laughs> this is going fun. I'm brilliant at technology stuff. But until next time, folks, keep it creepy. Keep it horrific. <laughs>